I am I am curious what a, what's on Nuri's Spotify. I don't know what kind of vibe I get from him from the limited uh, interactions I've gotten. Yeah. I I don't know. I I think um, maybe a Daft Punk didn't they do some sort of data related album? Random <laughs> access memory. Just, there you go. That I think he just listens to like white noise <laughs> while he like computes things or something. He, he, you know, something to like clear his head. We're back on QPR NYC, the podcast, the official podcast of Queens Park Rangers, New York City-based supporters club. If you're here for wall-to-wall Rangers coverage, you've come to the wrong place, I'm afraid, although this week... Um, we have to go almost wall to wall because there's just been so much going on at the club. But we talk uh, about here what we talk about on our Facebook Messenger chat, which has been going now for 2,264 days. And if printed out in PDF form, runs to 33,000 plus uh, pages. We talk not only about uh, Rangers, but we talk about life in uh, New York. Uh, Serbian mix grill, politics, music, family life, and our varied surgical procedures. Uh, joining me today are Dunn. Dunn, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, Andy. How are you, sir? I'm great. And David, how are you? Doing well. It's uh, it's balmy and rainy here in New York. It doesn't feel like winter anymore. Yeah, it was uh, 60 heating up here just, the other day. Just like our uh, fight for survival. It's yes, starting to heat up. Absolutely. Uh, Wet and balmy, just like the rest of our season prior. (laughs) After um, uh, one one or two whole episodes of not having to apologize for everything, we have an apology to do right off the top, which is that we uh, gently, I especially was very careful about this, to be fair, gently critiqued Tyler Morris's uh, play-by-play of the Bristol City goal and uh, one... Chris Willick missed chance in the Bristol City game, uh, saying that he didn't really bring as much energy as we hoped, that we hoped he might kind of turn the volume up a little bit on that, and that we weren't sure what happened to Andy Sinton because he wasn't in in the call at all, and usually he's screaming in the background. Well, there's a reason for both of those things, and that reason is that was not Tyler Morris. That was some EFL guy. Do we know who it was? We don't have a name on this guy, do we? Colin Robinson, the that... energy vampire from What We Do in the Shadows. It's oh, him. Huh. No. I, I, I accuse Tyler of being an energy vampire. I, I very much apologize, Tyler. Um, e- even though your, your, your hair and your pale skin might lend itself to an accusation of vampirism, you are not an energy vampire. So my, my yeah. bad, Tyler... Um, and it was del- it was delightful to hear the dulcet tones of Andy Sinton uh, bringing all the dogs to the yard. So that was great. So what happened? I mean, it's my fault because I thought that usually the short ex- highlights they put out right after the game have no commentary on them. And then the extended highlights have commentary. And I thought it was always in the past Nick and Andy on those extended highlights. And so I just assumed that that was Tyler Morris. 
but it turns out they it's some EFL droid that they have called the game for the EFL, I guess. And they only have on Instagram Tyler and Andy, um, so far at least. So we have their calls today for our two goals from the Rotherham game, but I apologize for that. It's my bad, Tyler. We love you, and uh, you should come on the show sometime. Yes, done. Andy, before before you carry on, when you do play uh, Tyler and Andy's commentary, can you just knock the levels down a bit? Because I have a feeling the way that Andy's going to go off, tinnitus may be in our future if we yes. don't have. I can okay, confirm. We need a warning. He is yes. in okay. he is in good voice. Uh, Dunn, tell us about. We got a shout out from um, our friend Pimp. Um, on Instagram, we sent him some gear, which arrived in the mail, and he posted a, a what do the kids call it, a, a reel or something? It's an, yeah, he posted uh, an Instagram story where he story, unboxed, he, yeah, he unboxed the, uh, the, the swag. So he actually, to all of his followers, um, so we are now going to be the number one football podcast among German hip-hop aficionados now after this. But Pimp showed the world uh, his T-shirts, his stickers, his pins. Uh, he even showed the note that we wrote, maybe suggesting that he wore them in his next music video. Um, didn't didn't say no. Um, but no, the, the translation was... Um, was was actually rather nice and and if I can find my phone, uh, I will be able to read this to while you, you're doing talk that. I mean, we have form for this. Didn't didn't um, didn't Snoop wear a wear a QPR kit in a at a concert? He once? did. Yeah. At the I forum, think Ske- I think Skepta did too, or one of those uh, UK rappers, and it became really big as well. Uh, it is. Yes. It, it's a big event every time that happens, and our and our gear gets uh, yeah. gets a little bit of publicity. Absolutely. The problem was though with Snoop, he did that on every single show on his tour. So he had a Norwich shirt on once, and probably an Accrington Stanley shirt or whatever. Although I wasn't sure that Snoop played Accrington, but you know. Anyway, Pimp. The translation of what he wrote was: "Many random nice things has happened to my music." but I really didn't see that our song about an English football stadium would be the intro of an American podcast. I mean, it sounds ridiculous wow. when you say it like that, but you did I, mean, it. I mean, we did it. You've but what, what a lovely fella. Yeah. He has also said that he's going to share his, his, his uh, goodie bag and he's going to give magic, magic a t-shirt as well. Okay. Oh, so yeah, we 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 are gonna have them both decked out, and I've I've asked for picks, or it never happens, as the kids say. Absolutely. Uh, so that's great. We're we're making friends uh, across cross cultural friends, uh, making inroads in German hip hop, um, on our path to world domination. Uh, so we're not gonna start with the game today. We're gonna start with sad news. Um, the passing of a legend. It was announced after the win over Rotherham on Saturday that Stan Bowles, club legend and former England international, had passed away at the age of 75. Stan had been suffering from Alzheimer's for a number of years, as most supporters will know. Um, The club honored him by renaming the the Ellerslie Road stand after him in August of 2022. 
And I'm going to go to – I wanted to get Paul on the show today because I think he's the only person in the club who actually saw Stan play. But, Dunn, I'll go to you in a second um, for some thoughts first um, on Stan Bowles, the kind of player he was, the kind of person he was, and what he meant to the club. But uh, I did want to share this one little clip. Like a lot of people, when someone dies, a celebrity – uh, like Richard Lewis, the comedian, died today, I noticed. And, you know, you go on YouTube and you search for clips of them. And I was re- watching. There's quite a few clips of Stan. Uh, the club or somebody did a kind of a documentary on him. Um, and he had done interviews over the years. And I found this um, one appearance he made with fellow Rangers Dave Thomas and Jerry Francis, who had the full Jerry Francis hairdo, by the way. If you want to Google this interview, it's really glorious on a show called Time of Our Lives, which is, was hosted by Jeff Stelling, best known as the host of Gillette Soccer Saturday on Sky Sports. Um, there are two YouTube videos of it, and they don't talk about football at all. Like, nothing that happened on the pitch is talked about. And um, mostly what they talk about is Stan's sort of unusual life as a footballer that, you know, famously he didn't have to show up to games until 10 minutes before kickoff, he was always at the bookies. He couldn't pay his rent. And at one point, they start busting his balls about not liking to fly. And he shares this gem. I've been to Greenland. <laughs> you been there? No, never been to Greenland, Stan. No. <laughs> Don't go there, Jeff. What is, what, what, what is the there, there Stan? Well, I went there for, for money, obviously. <laughs> but when we got there... You um, went on a, on a nature reserve, We was, we was about the 100 people... To go where we went, wherever it was. Was it remote? It was proper remote. <laughs> then we get there and we got a hotel and these uh, Inuits, you can't call them the Eskimos now, Inuits, <laughs> they come rushing up, they, they thought we were from Greenpeace. <laughs> so I told the interpreter, I said, listen, tell these, because uh, they've all got knives down their things, you, like, you can imagine, can't you? I said, uh, tell them they can kill as many whales as they want, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if you'd let them eat, well, I don't care what you do. <laughs> and it was, oh, it was a des- desperate place. I, had, I was on Valium at the time, and I'd run out of Valium. And two days later, they knocked on my room, the woman. She said, we're going out today. I said, I've already seen the icebergs. Fucking <laughs> leave me alone. That's <laughs> true. He was just the show. I guess was about him. I don't know because he seemed to be the center of it. He just was like a style of athlete. I was trying to think of an American analogy to him, to somebody like that. And what I came up with was Pete Maravich. Don, I don't know if you know much about Pete Maravich or Dave. How much you know about him? But he was a basketball, a extremely talented basketball player. I think he held or may still hold the college scoring record, played in the NBA for many years. But he was a maverick. He didn't like to be coached. He drank too much. He partied too much. I think he, he's in that kind of style of Stan, although he was not as outgoing as Stan was. He just seemed like a wonderful guy, a wonderful storyteller. And Dunn, you got a little weepy. Uh, you, you're the most prone to this in the group you you get quite weepy yeah. about these things so i get emotional us, yeah yeah you're not old enough to have seen him play but what is try no. to tell us what he meant to the club and and what he meant to you well i think you know i'm i wrote on on twitter on under the qprmyc um twitter account 
How is it that I'm crushed by the loss of a man I never saw play? How is it that I feel pain by the loss of a man I never met? Um, Stan Bowles meant everything to QPR and QPR fans. It feels like QPR lost a little bit of what makes us special today. Rest in peace, Dan. Legend. And I think, you know, that if you speak to anyone who is sort of... I mean, I was born in 1974, so I... I missed the the glory years that team of 75 76 and if you speak to anyone who was lucky enough to grow up or to 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 see that team play you you get a sense that that team wasn't just about stan but stan was everything about that team um he in, i guess in the 70s you had um like an era of players you, that that almost there was almost like a mythology to them. They played the game with with swagger before swagger was a thing. Um, they played with joy, freedom. They expressed themselves. Um, they made things look easy that people couldn't do. And But also off the pitch, they were proper characters. They were knocking about with Miss Worlds. And I'm thinking about the Georgie Bests. I'm thinking about the Stans. Um, like the Robin Fridays, you know, he'd like score and flick the V's and was immortalised by super furry animals. Um, but also, I think it's fun, it's sort of ironic we're playing Leicester this weekend because Frank Worthington was a, another one who, like, when he passed away, like, you spoke to the Leicester guys and it, it felt very much like how it felt for us, um, and I think it also is testament to the amount of messages that I got from fans of other clubs. Now, obviously, he played for a few apart from us, like you know Carlisle, um, Leighton Orient. He played for um, Forest, and it, and every one of them was had a very similar kind of like loss. But I think it hurts more for us because to us he was QPR. It didn't feel like he played for anyone else. And I think for me, I, I started going in the, the sort of mid-80s. So me and my best mate were taken by um, by his dad. And, you know, his dad watched Stan and would tell us about Stan. And it was all, again, it was, there, there was a mythology to it. It was like, it was legends. And, you know, I think what was very clear is, you know, he had... A lot of the off the pitch stuff just added to the mythology. He was he wasn't a robot in the way that you know if if he was a robot he might have had a hundred caps for England. He got five, and mm. the managers at the time didn't like the Mavericks because the Mavericks wouldn't do what they were told on the pitch and off the pitch. And and I think that you know every day that goes by and we lose um, we lose more players like this. It. it it feels that, you know, the game itself has, has lost a little bit of something. But certainly for us, um, as a club, um, the amount of direct line that Stan has had to why we are all QPR supporters, um, I know of a number of people that, you know, got into QPR because somebody got them into it and that somebody fell in love with QPR because of Stan. And I think that, you know, without Stan, we would not have the fan base that we have now. Um, and we also wouldn't uh, wouldn't have the appreciation for for the style of football uh, that, that we want to see. But also, the that number 10 shirt, everyone's grown up with 
their own version of Stan, whether it was Roy Wegley or, you know, Kev Gallen or, you know, Akros Bazaki even, like, you know, who, whoever got the 10, that, that, that meant something. Um, and it all started with Stan. Yeah, I urge you to watch that video. of he, Another story he tells is about how, you know, players in the 70s had shoe deals just like they have now. His deal was with Gola. And uh, the way they would distribute the money is the uh, people from the companies, the shoe companies, would show up at the team hotel on Saturday morning. And Stan would, the Gola guy would come up, and, and Stan would take the 300 pounds or whatever he got a month from the Gola guy. And then later in the morning, the the uh, Adidas guy would show up, and he'd make a deal with him. He'd take 300 pounds from him, too. And he had to, like, alter his shoes to try to make them look like Adidas. And But he said it was raining, and it got, <laughs> the ink came off. Just stuff that, like, you know, it would just never happen now. Um, Dave, do you, you're a pretty new supporter. I just uh, – do you have any – any thoughts on Stan or how, what as yeah. your perspective? Yeah. So my fandom is very novice. We'll say nine years since 2015 when I went to Loftus road. And, you know, I think for, for me in terms of fandom, it's, I've been entrenched with all my teams since birth, whether it's the New York giants or the Knicks or just growing up with these teams. So getting into QPR relatively late in life, at least in comparison to those other teams, it's almost like, it's almost like I had to take an academic approach to figuring out my fandom and to learn the history of the club Mm -hmm. and, you know, why it resonated with me so much. I don't know about you, Andy, because you know, the American fans, we, with it's, we're just surrounded by glory hunters everywhere we go, but there was something about QPR and going to Loftus Road that just stuck with me and it's part of part of it's just like the eccentricity of Loftus Road in the middle of West London and some of it's just the the fan base and how it sticks out and then you find out that that all kind of links back to the Maverick and you know what he brought to the pitch what he brought off the pitch and then you start tying all these things together and it just makes a lot of sense of what what we got into QPR for, you know, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little bit of a contrarian at heart. I don't know if you're an American fan and you get into QPR without having a little bit of that in yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you find the things that there are to love and, you know, the things that I'm into with the club being such a tight knit group within West London, being still like a neighborhood club and really putting players like Stan on a pedestal and really understanding his importance to the club and then his eccentric nature it's it really resonates with kind of like how I live and what I value so mm-hmm. you know just learning learning about his importance and hearing people like Dunn speak so eloquently about what he means to the club has just taught me so much more and you know obviously I wish I got to see him play I wish we all do I know we all do but um, it just makes me be even more proud to be following this club in a sense yeah they, they mentioned the, him on yeah go ahead Sorry, I, I, I was going to say, um, I actually have a personal story about Stan. Oh, Not from me, but from my housemate. Now, my, my housemate is a Forest fan, so he, um, uh, he basically played... This would have been the very late 90s, early 2000s. So, what are we talking? Stan would have been in his late 40s, early 50s, if my math is, math is correct. So he, he turns up at this um, events uh, industry five-a-side tournament. Now, now, my friend at the time, he was, what, like 26, 27. He's in his prime. He was a stocky fullback. He'd pile up and down the pitch. Like, he would take, he'd clean people out. 
So he turns up and on the opposite side is Stan Bowles. So he actually got to play against Stan Bowles. Uh, and like he tells me this afterwards, I'm like, how, how, how have you got to play against Stan Bowles? It, I mean, it, it, it was at Stanford Bridge. We, I, I don't like that part of the story. <laughs> but he played, he, he played them in the quarterfinals. And, and um, I actually texted him to say that we were going to be on the pod. So I said, could you just g- give me a little flavour of, of him rinsing you on the football pitch as a man in his late 40s, early 50s. And he said, there was a high ball play to him. He brings it down beautifully. I go to press quickly. As soon as he has the ball under control, he simply sim- simply drops the shoulder, sending me one way, brackets, into the stands. Um, and he ambles past me. Um, he just said he was just quality. He couldn't, get, he couldn't get around the pitch, but played out on the wing and just ran the game. They won the tournament, unsurprisingly. But he, he, I mean, he he just said, look, to be on the same pitch as right. a legend was just a, a real privilege, and I, yeah. I, I I was gutted. I I should have been in that tournament as well, so I missed out. But um, I th- yeah, I think sometimes it's hard for American fans because of the way of the football pyramid and the way the sport is set up to get a sense of where people are and like the hierarchy of the great players. Here we have closed leagues, we have halls of fame. You don't really have that over there. So I, I know, like they, to me, they talked about Stambles on Football Weekly, um, which is a podcast I listen to yeah. every week, and that's a big deal. That says to me that he was someone of consequence, and he was obviously a brilliantly gifted player. But I, it's hard for me to get a sense of how good he was, like where he fit at that time. You know, he didn't get as many caps as maybe he should have, but that might have been a personality thing or just that he was not taking it as seriously as some of the other players. Well, actually, Andy, it, it, it doesn't, that, that just doesn't apply with the FA with players. It also applies with managers because a manager of, of a cut from a very similar maverick cloth was uh, Brian Clough. Now, Brian Clough was the best manager like at club level England's probably produced ever. I mean, he won. He won the European Cup with you know with a team that he, he took up two divisions, and you know Clough should have been England manager. There's no way that he shouldn't. He should have been in ahead of Ron Greenwood, in my opinion. But the F- English FA at that time was stuff suits. It was it was tie and blazer. It was full of self interest, and they played it ever so safe. So. In, in in the same way that if you look at even in the 80s, Glenn Hoddle never got as many caps as he should have done. Matt Letizia in the 90s never got as many caps as he should have should have done. Um, like 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 if if Stan Bowles was Argentine, he would have had 150 caps. Like it it, it was almost like Stan was born in the wrong country. If he was Spanish or like Argentine, Brazilian. These are the players that they loved and, and eulogised and mythologised about. You know, you you know, growing up, you hear about Brazil seventy. You know, St- you know, Stan was that sort of player with the with the flair and the skill, who would have thrived in a team like that rather than a, a very boring, dull England side. But you know, e- England in the seventies and eighties is littered with just quality footballers who never got called up because they were either. You know, they're either too much on the flair side of it and not disciplined enough. And I think England at that time was all about disciplined football. Dull, you know, grind out a win. Whereas, 
you know, just imagine the team that England could have had. You know, the the likes of the Worthingtons, the Bowleses, you know, Hoddle in the 80s, all those guys, just, you know, great talent that we never saw in an English shirt. Well, yes, uh, Stan, Bowles, rest in peace. We bestow on you the highest honor we can. Queen's Park Raisins. A hearty Queen's Park Raisins to Stan Bowles. Um, and we wish the best to his family and friends. And uh, yes, go ahead. Uh, I'd also like just to make, make a note um, to pass our condolences also on to Don Shanks. Uh, Don is someone who has met the Queen's Park Rangers New York City crew and actually is kept in, in close touch with Bill. Um, he came to New York um, to run the New York Marathon on behalf of Stan and Al Alzheimer's. Um, and I know that Don will have lost a really close friend. So we'd all like to pass our condolences on to you, Don, as well. Most definitely. Absolutely. Uh, let's get to some happy news, which is we won again. Um, Yay! We were... Get in. We were... <laughs> We were all worried. Uh, there's no question about that. All expecting Rangers with another golden opportunity to get out of the relegation zone to cock it up. And they were on the back foot from the start. Seventh minute, cue the Benny Hill music. Check. Walter Bunker is defenders to deal with and eases in behind. The perfect start. Another early goal in consecutive games for Tom Eaves. Scored after two minutes against Ipswich last weekend. He's found the opener inside 10 today. That's some random guy on EFL highlights. I, they didn't give me the Tyler highlight of that. Uh, before I go on to the rest of the game, um, just a quick word from both of you. What were you thinking after that first goal went in? Let's start with Dave. I immediately sent a message to remind everyone that we had gained all of two points from being down one nothing. So essentially the best that we could hope for at that point was a draw. Um, because I believe our record at the time was zero wins, two draws, and 15 losses when going down one nothing. So, you know, I almost just turned off QPR+, Plus, just went on with my day. I was visiting my parents. We we're going to have a lovely day out in upstate New York. Um, mm. But we, uh, the, they, thankfully, it was 90 minutes. Don, just give me your – just don't do the rest of the game. Just what was your thought at that yeah. moment? My, my thought was that my prediction from last week was going to come true. A dour 1-0 defeat to a bottom-of-the-table northern team like we do every year. I'll leave it there for the time being. As we all know, 63 minutes is an awfully long time to hold on to a lead, especially when you've only managed three wins all season, as Rotherham have. We looked the better team for the remainder of the first half, but couldn't turn it into a goal. Second half, Smith and Field came on for Hodge and Hayden, and it paid dividends. Frey, Dolphin then winning that following header though for Rotherham, back it goes towards Field, here's Willock now inside the <laughs> Rotherham half, bursting on forward here, Chris Willock down the right, still going on, cuts back in field, that's a nice low ball towards Paul Smith, and Paul yes! Smith, a fantastic finish, <laughs> and he gets There's the our boy. level, and the momentum swings the way of the R's. I knew it was coming, so they're fine. I removed my headphones. Right on the hour mark. <laughs> and it's one all at Loftus Road. That's our boy Tyler Morris on QPR Plus and, of course, Andy Sinton. Smith levels it uh, with the assist from Willick, who 14 minutes, late, minutes later 
put us ahead. Wide on the far side for Powell. First time ball down the line. Chair does well to take it in his stride. And now drifting on infield, the number 10. Chair going on here for Rangers. And he finds Willick, edge of the area. Willick goes for goal! Yes! And he smashes it into the roof of the Rotherham net. And Rangers have turned it around with 15 minutes to go. What a strike. What a move. And what a noise inside Loftus Road. Rangers win. Tyler. Rangers win 2-1 and pull out of the relegation zone on goal difference. For the first time since September 23rd, 2023, my quick take, uh, having a bench really helps. Right back Jimmy Dunn is in our good graces again, and we needed that one because the next four could be rough. Leicester away, West Brom home, Middlesbrough home, Sunderland away. Dunn, why don't you kick it off here? Um, I thought that the first half was just awful um i i wonder how affected Ilias was by the news we'll talk about later um he sliced the ball uh, weirdly backwards to mm-hmm. tom eaves who was um a hum a stone's throw away from the goal and uh lobbed it over um uh begovich and I thought, here we go. It's they're, they're going to set up with 10 men behind the ball, um, which they pretty much did. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was... I mean, what? Johan, was it Johansson, the Rotherham goalkeeper? Ended up getting yes. um, man of the match. Yes, he made a lot of saves. QPR could have been 4-1 up at the half because the one thing that Johansson was doing was parrying the ball out like he wasn't holding it, it was popping straight back out and not yeah, wide, but right yeah. in front. It, it was spilling it in front, front uh, in the six yard box. Not once were we able to capitalize, which I think anyone who's watched Rangers that is one of our pet peeves that the strikers don't seem to be on their um, they're, they're, on, they're on their heels, they're not they're not sort of crashing the goalkeeper. Now, end of the day. If the first couple of times it happens, I was getting more annoyed every time it did happen because how many times do you need to see this happen to try and, you know, take advantage of it? At times we had four or five men in the box, all of whom were flat-footed. That has to improve. Um, you want to see... I mean, if it was Charlie, Charlie would have had a couple of goals just by being a natural poacher and being, you know getting himself into position to, to make that finish. Um, so that'd be nice if they worked on that in training a little bit. Um, second half, though, Paul Smith, my word. Like, he came on um, proper threat, really direct. I, I, I do have a request, though, Mr. Smith. When you are fouled, please don't leap in the air like a dying swan because there was a couple of times you did get clipped and didn't get the free kick because it looked like you're embellishing um funnily enough when he was cleaned out and went straight over free kick every time there's a lesson to be learned there maybe it's because he's not allowed to do his somersaults anymore he feels like that's one way to get his aerials in but no stop it just hit the floor um and i will say uh, i think fields uh, made a difference Again, we talked about this a couple of weeks back where 
if Hayden is injured or Colback, I believe, is now suspended for two games, you have Field that just slots in. Oh, yeah, I forgot Field about that. really, yeah. um, Field was excellent. And I have been one of his biggest critics for not turning it on in the way that we know he can turn it on, but take about Chris Willock. We are starting to see, you know, the, the, the better and better versions of Willock as the season goes on. Probably just in time for him to, you know, wander off to a Leicester or a Sunderland or someone like that. Um, but if, it ke- if, if, his, if his play keeps us up, if his goals keep us up, then, you know, we, uh, au, au revoir, my friend, and thank you. But, and I will say this as a but, seems to be enjoying his football under Marty. So, sign the, sign the ting, as the, all the kids say on uh, Twitter. David, what do you think? Um, on Willick, it almost seems like he had to learn how to play with his new limitations based off of the injuries that he had last year. Um, you know, think about the home opener last year when he was able to take the ball all the way from midfield and then just blast it into top bins. Um, you know, I think that part of his game we might not ever see again. But if you put someone like Paul Smith who can streak down the wing and open up that area for Willick, um, he's still as lethal as he was back last year. Um, and it's he still has the quick step. He still has the ball control. He still can find the net. Um, and we're going to need him for the rest of the campaign. We're going to need that scoring prowess because we're still not getting it from the front line as much as we want. I know. I think Fry played pretty well. I thought he still imposes his will. His positioning is very good. Um, and I still think that Dykes can come off the bench. And I kind of like this role for Dykes, kind of being a bruiser after 70, 75 minutes and win those headers and give us possession whether we're chasing or whether we're we're holding a lead. So... I do think that just back to back to Willick a little bit. I think that maybe it was Marty who just kind of needed to get him a little bit more composed and think about how he needs to play within the system. And I do think getting Smith on the right opens up things for him. But also, I think he's also been able to learn how he needs to play within himself and still make that impact that he was used to the last three years within our team. Uh, does somebody want to say a word about Jimmy Dunn? Who is? Oh, go ahead, Dunn. Not Jimmy Dunn. But Sorry, I'll, actually, before we get to Jimmy Dunn, um, I want to say two things about Willock. One, the assist, and one, one, the goal. The assist. There, there is a reverse angle that came out after that goal of Willock playing the ball into Smith for the finish. There's three defenders around. Willock looks up, looks back down, and plays the perfect ball. In, into Smith's run it was like honestly it, it was such a beautifully weighted ball um, and, and just technically excellent his goal can we talk for a minute about the championship goalkeeper of the week and what the hell he was doing because it looked like he lost his footing as he dived he sort of I mean like I, I was expecting that ball to be saved but the way that he went down, it looked like he either lost his feet or lost flight of the ball. But it was a really odd piece of goalkeeping. Mm. Investigate it. 
sketchy. No, I'm, I, I'm not going to investigate it because I don't want those points being taken away from us. Um, Andy, Jimmy Dunn. Jimmy Dunn. Yeah. And, know, and knowing um, us, and, and know, sorry, yeah, sorry, Dunn, yeah. sorry, Dunn, no, no, knowing no, us, yeah. those points would come off the, the yeah. board. Yeah. It, well, exactly. The, the LA falling points are going to get uh, retrospectively taken off us years later. But I think Jimmy Dunn, you know, he, he got a lot of plaudits um, last week for his performance. He got um, in the championship team of the week. I think Jimmy Dunn is, I don't think his character or his attitude has ever been questioned. And I think what you're seeing in the last couple of games is exactly why, because he's one of our real team players. He's being asked to play an unnatural position and he is rising to you know, the occasion each and every time. And once again, we look a lot stronger at set pieces as a result of Jimmy's presence. So, you know... Again, with with Marty and Lind dropping Linden back and moving Dunn in, in, into right back, I I think you know you've got to look at the manager and say whatever he's seeing out of his players, whatever he's seeing on the training pitch and trying things out, it's starting to work and it's starting to pay dividends. And you know, yeah, we're at the bottom three for the first time in God knows how long. Um, and I have to say, a lot of that is down to Marty and. You know, you were talking about Football Weekly. Uh, George Ellick, um, also of the Not the Top 20 parish, was really complimentary about both um, Marty and the job that Danny Rural is doing at Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, and, I, you know, I, I genuinely think that, that Marty is an absolute gift from God. He's, I, I mean, the, the look at the form at the minute. There's not there's not many managers doing better. One one more word, Andy. Yep. Um, six, I believe, six of you know maybe consider eight teams that we're we're fighting for survival with, all one, uh, yeah. us included. Right. So it is really really important that we've been winning these winning some of these matches and getting 10 points out of 15 because, you know, typically that form would bring us well ahead of out of the table, but everyone else, I think Swansea won, I think Argyle won, uh, Huddersfield, Millwall won at Southampton. Uh, yeah, that's the one. And then Wednesday are also, you know, our, our pals at, uh, at the one, the Wednesday owls at, in the, in the factory are celebrating a little bit more than they ever have this season. So, it's really important that we're starting to hit our stride a little bit. And, you know, I came on, I believe, a couple weeks ago and said, you know, the teams that we've been losing to under Ainsworth and even under Marty during our little cold spell, they're nothing to write home about. And this, the bottom of the championship feels really weak. But that's been totally reversed. It's going to take something like 50-some-odd points to just survive this year, which I believe, I don't think you've ever need, you've needed that point total in the last six, seven, eight campaigns. So... You know, it, it's really important that we have started to turn our form around. And, you know, you have to hope that somebody like Stoke and and maybe Brom just continue to struggle and that we swap places with them and we continue our consistency. Dave, I'm, I'm relieved yeah, you said we'll, that uh, because two, two weeks ago, Andy asked me, um, be, you know, Andy asked me, how many points would it take for us to stay up? And I said 51, 52. And then I think somebody sent me the list that it was like 41, 
39, 38, 46, I think was the most. Mm -hmm. But I do think you're right. And the point I made actually was like, Rotherham marooning themselves means there's more points to be had up and down the table. I also want to make mention of uh, last week, I talked about our friends at Sheffield Wednesday, uh, giving it the large one and Ilias putting them, like just shutting them up within a fraction of a second. Um, well, it, it, it sort of happened again, lads. They uh, they they obviously had a, a decent result, and um, we're we're one nil down. There was a little bit of halftime, you know, banter coming coming from the owls. Um, but then, obviously, as you know, we we ended up uh, coming back and getting the win. Uh, they relented, and a joint chorus of "We are staying up" took place. So, so I think I think Wednesday have learned their lesson. Uh, about about giving it large too soon, um, and and that now we're we're football friends. It's going to be very interesting to see where we are April sixth when we host them. Uh, yeah. There might be that friendliness might go away very very quickly. Absolutely. You know what? Right, I we think got more both to get sets to of fans. Sorry, sorry, Andy. I think both sets of fans are equally as dour. So you know. Um, I, I, I don't I, I, I just think that will be a festival of commiseration rather than festival of football, but it'll be a good day. So if you if anyone can make it to the factory for that Wednesday game, I think that'd be a lively one. All right, it's time for this week in New Yorking, brought to you by the office of Mayor Eric Adams, and we've got a new open. New York. New York. New York. Welcome to the Melting Pot. Corners where we selling. So this week, um, we're going to keep it short because we have more news to get to. But um, we're giving this week in New Yorking not to a member of QPR NYC, but to Flacco the Owl, um, who tragically passed away last week. Flacco the Owl was an owl living in the Central Park Zoo who someone damaged his enclosure and he escaped through a hole and was living... He was at large in the city for, I don't know how long it was. Um, he escaped on February 2nd. about a year, I think. About a year. Yeah, about a year. He was just sort of living in, we don't get a lot of owls, Eurasian owls in New York. Um, I don't know, Dave, did you follow this story? Now there's talk that they want to, that somebody wants to build a statue to him. I will say that we are really lacking in, we cannot have been much more of a separate country right now but Flacco the Owl being the thing that brought us all together mm. just makes it so apparent that we just need really just any sort of symbol to tie us all together uh, because we, go ahead I Eddie. can confirm that he was not named after Joe Flacco the spelling is different no, the, the former Ravens now I think Browns quarterback the spelling is different or or pretty Flacco also known as ASAP Rocky Harlem rap legend mm-hmm. um, but just you know, we we take we take an owl who managed to survive a year outside of its enclosure, and then prop prop him up. Um, we uh, <laughs> what 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 am I reading? Done. He's trying to be. Oh, I was asking Andy if we had latency issues again. 
It's, it happens with old age, John. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. If everyone Go loses ahead, that half yard of pace, right? Good. Good. Yeah, that's right. Good commemoration to Flacco. Yes. Well, so we give Flacco a hearty. Queens Park races. Um, it's been a bad week for ours, gents. It's it's been a really bad week yeah. for ours because Roy Hodgson Roy Hodgson lost his job as well. So uh, you know, the, the poor <laughs> one out for the owl community. Absolutely. Yeah, but once they beat Bristol City. Rest in peace, <laughs> Flacco. Uh, so quickly, let's get to Ilias, this Ilias chair story, which has really sort of died completely. I haven't heard anything about it since that first sort of couple of days leading up to the game. Uh, news broke on Friday of last week that Ilias chair, this was how it was, I'm just saying how it was, what the headline said, that he had been jailed by a Belgian court for fracturing a truck driver's skull in a 2020 altercation in France, where Ilias was returning from a kayaking trip. Uh, Soon after it became clear that he was not in prison and that in fact he was appealing the decision and was still available for selection. He played quite well. I mean, it's funny to think that this has been hanging over his head for the last four years or whenever it started the actual court case started and that he's been one, you know, we talk about how sort of fragile this team is. They're like made of glass. And I think it proves personally, and I'm not, whatever he did, we don't know what he did. He's accused of something, but he hasn't been convicted of it yet. He certainly has the kind of mental toughness in my opinion that we need on this team in the sense that he seems to have the ability to play through all kinds of things, you know, sort of distractions and things like that. But it's a very weird story done. I don't know if you have any any more thing any more updates on it, but go ahead. So well I was gonna say it feels to me that, you know, obviously you're talking about Ilias's uh mental strength, so it sounds like he's between a rock and a hard place, if you will. Oh. Yeah. I was waiting for that. Um you know what? We, 50, we, went, we went fifty. We, we, we went about fifty minutes without one of those. We are really struggling, I, boys. Yeah, I, you know, I, I literally had to hold myself back. But um, the weird thing about this story is the same story came out in the summer. The, like nothing yeah. seems to have changed Very. apart from Talksport and the Sun or her, or the Mirror said that he was jailed. Now, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, I, I am not a Belgian law expert. Um, uh, there's a lot of conjecture, whether it's a legal case, a criminal case, a civil case. Is it being, you know, it happened in France. So all I know is that Ilias put in, obviously shook off the, um, the, the, the kind of the, the error for the for their goal and actually played extremely you know I thought he played extremely well despite that being a distraction I think you know th- this felt like the LA fall in we we we're being dot points and not going up thing where the papers have announced this thing of in 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 a really important week or before an important game and it it sort of all hell broke loose now I I I actually was at a, at a work event that started at seven in the morning. So I actually was up at five by the time it all started. So when we had our first break at 10, I've, I've gone to check my messages 
and all hell has broken loose on my phone. Every single QPR chat group had about 100 messages. I've got like friends who support different clubs going, what the hell is going on with Ilias Chair? And I'm like, what is going on with Ilias Chair? And it, it was just, it was, an, it just felt insane. But also, didn't they pull the stories down about halfway through the day? So it felt like like the online stories were getting pulled. Um, I, I think Talksport that. pulled it. Talksport pulled it and then might have put it back up again. But either whatever happens, you know, the the the, the rumor mill has gone into overdrive. Um, and apparently, if, if it's appealed, it, well, if, if it is true that he has been sentenced in either in absentia, and he can't have been sentenced in Belgium because he would have been inside. Like it, you know. But apparently, if there's an appeal, then he's playing for the rest of the season anyway. Either way, I have no idea. It, it just something feels a bit murky about it. it yeah. It's odd. We do. We do have. Uh, well, as we've said in the past, we have representation. We we know people. David Schaefer and Sam's misses uh, both. I know very little about Belgian law, um, so that's not really hasn't been really generative talking to them about it. But it it just it does seem very very odd and now seems to have like i just haven't seen anything about it so i have a feeling that like we're not going to hear anything and either it's going to resolve itself in some alternate way where you hear it's been dismissed or something or maybe he will end up getting convicted of it i don't know but um it doesn't didn't seem to affect him that much on saturday and um i guess you just have to kind of wait and see what happens but any other thoughts on just, that? Yeah, go just ahead. A, just a couple. You you think about the transfer roster we got from Turkey during the January window, and, you know, I can't think of, like, the scenarios where we would have kept on to him with, while well, knowing that this was likely yeah. to happen, or if the club from Turkey wasn't aware that this right, was also going right. on. Especially, like Don had mentioned, there was initial stories in the summer that this had this had transpired back in 2020. So that just throws another wrinkle in it that's really weird. I also wanted to point out one of the stories that came out of the sun, which is always like when you say, oh, the stories came from the sun, you always like yeah. lift your eyebrows or you roll your eyes, whatever it is, that they said that the reason why he wasn't currently in prison was because it was due to overcrowding in the Belgian prison system. <laughs> it's just like, are we just all guessing like what's going on here? They're just like in the same position that we are and just, just throwing anything that just they can possibly think up. of. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a wild... How, just both... how crowded are the Belgian prisons? Because Ilias is tiny. Surely they can <laughs> squeeze him in if he was guilty. Yeah. It could probably fit through the bars. That's true, yeah. He needs a special cell that he can't sneak through the bars on. Okay, uh, it's time for the Blighty Bulletin. Let's go to Wigan, lads. What do you think? Um, we are. Um, this is a public service or a service to uh, Queens Park Rangers loanee Charlie Kelman, who is on loan currently at Wigan. Uh, this from the Wigan Post, dateline February 23rd. Chippy Shop receives zero in latest hygiene ratings. 
A Wigan takeaway has, uh, has begun the year on a stale note after receiving a drastically low food hygiene mark. You and you, Chippy, on, um, take note of this, um, Charlie, if you're listening, on Atherton Road in Hindley has been awarded zero stars. This means that various food safety aspects require major improvement. Um, New Yorkers will be familiar with what do the New York signs say? They don't do stars, right? What do they say? They're great. They're grades. like letter grades. Letter grades, yeah. right? So this would be like getting an F, essentially. Um, my question is, my first question is for Don, which is, I went to the website of this chip shop. It seems to me to just be an Asian food restaurant. Is a chippy not a chip and fish place, or chippy can be any kind of restaurant? For starters, my friend, it's fish and chips. Don't be giving it the chip and fish that's malarkey, please. That you know, come fish on. And chips. You're, 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 well, that's what I you are say. showing that yeah. you are not a you know you're you're not a Brit here. Now, it's just the first time we had a mid-show apology because I think Andy, you might need to do yeah, that. Yeah, well, actually, it says on their <laughs> sign, "Fish and chips, Chinese food." So I guess they do fish and chips and Chinese food, but yes, chippy, so basically, just to be clear, is means a fish and chips place. Correct. So interestingly, I, I think this means that um, the British invented fusion cuisine because uh, chips and a good Chinese curry sauce is, is absolutely fantastic, but obviously not at the UNU Chippy and Wigan uh, because its hygiene rating is like us away from home, nil. <laughs> right. Uh, Charlie, if you are looking for a fish and chips, uh, they list all of the places here that got five stars. May I recommend... Uh, and this goes back to a story we read a couple of weeks ago. Butts Bridge Fish and Chips on Warrington Road got five stars. <laughs> so another butt reference, but that wasn't Wigan. It was Stoke. There's lots of butt lanes and butt roads in uh, England. Uh, a second story. Obviously the butt of the joke, Andy. Andy, before, <laughs> before you move on, I, I will say, if Charlie, uh, if Mr. Kelman American, does end up American. going... Exactly. If he ends up uh, going to UNU Chippy for a uh, chip and Chinese meal, would that be wanton behaviour? Well, he end up he'll end up with the same amount of goals with in a QPR uniform that that shop's rating was. So it all kind of all no, comes no, come comes on. together. No, no. Um. So, yeah, so uh, that's from the Wigan Post. We want to make sure we don't want Charlie getting food poisoning. We want him to, to be uh, performing at the highest level possible. Uh, also from the Wigan Post, same dateline, February 23rd, pensioner hurt after explosion. An investigation has been launched into how a man in his 80s came to be seriously hurt in an explosion at a Wigan home. Now, Given the next paragraph here, I don't think you really need to do much of an investigation, actually. The pensioner was reportedly trying to open a safe containing gunpowder with an angle grinder when sparks caused it to detonate. I don't know much about tools. I'm not a DIY guy, but I feel like an angle grinder and a safe full of gunpowder do not go together. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. No, not the sharpest tool in the shed. So if he used the sharpest tool in the shed, he might not have had to use the angle grinder. That's so true. he might not that's have blown true. himself up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no word on if he's a Wigan supporter, um, but we wish him um, 
all the best. Other QPR news. I, this is not really news. I just wanted to say to you guys, I am going to be in New York for the Sunderland game, and I would like to make a reservation at Kafana so we can have some Serbian done. mixed grill together. Is that done? Done and done. Okay, done. Done and done. Kafana is a great um, Serbian restaurant on uh, Avenue C on the Lower East Side. In is New that York. where we okay. had your it's leaving alphabet, do, Andy. alphabet City. Alphabet City. That's yes, where we is. had your yes, leaving we all though, right? Together. Yeah. Yep. Yes, we yeah. do. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. It's uh, it's time for predictions. Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Uh, well, we got Leicester. Um, look, I mean, they've lost two games in a row in the league. I'm. They won in the FA Cup and played. They went to extra time. But I don't think they were they not they were not playing a ton of their regular players, were they? Um, and I, you know what, I forgot to get the soundbite of the manager. Sorry about that. He called us QPR. QPR. Um, QPR. Yeah. Um, I'll get that for next time. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna prevent uh, predict a sort of valiant three nothing loss um, where I like we'll be able to convince ourselves we'll take something positive away from it, but we'll pretty much get get done by them uh don you want to go first with predictions for lester do what do, do i have to um uh, so they've lost two on the bounce they've played 120 minutes in midweek three nil i'm i'm with you i think yeah. you know yeah three nil um, when when we face a team like Stoke and we say they haven't won in a month or they haven't won at home in five or six months, considering the form that Leicester's been on, two losses on the bounce in the league is kind of like the same thing. So yeah. uh, I'm predicting the 2-0. Um, I, looking at who they played, uh, they played some of their lineup. I know that they played Vestergaard till till the death, but I don't think he's going to be... I think he's suspended for our match, so I do think that they're going to be relatively fresh for us. And you know, I think it's one of those valiant efforts. Maybe give up something in the 44th minute, and then realize, okay, well, that's we've seen this story before, and go down in a little bit of a two-nil defeat. Yeah, Dave, have you heard about their free signing? By the way, they've um, they've heard about us at set pieces, so they've signed that Harlem Globetrotter. The seven foot seven guy. So um, oh, great. I think I think we, we we might need more than Jimmy Dunn at set pieces. Now, Andy, um, I what? have an apology yeah. to make from two weeks ago. Oh, now please. I said okay. that Robert Rob. Um, it feels like a really apt time to do it because I said that we were talking about the Harlem Globetrotter guy being from Leicester, and I said the tallest bloke mm-hmm. in Britain was also from Leicester. So. Turns out, Robert Wadlow, uh, as you pointed out, Andy, was from Illinois, uh, which is not Leicester. Mm-hmm. However, I was thinking about a Definitely guy called Leicester. Daniel Lambert, who is the heaviest man in Britain. 52 stone, he was. Um, he, it I said, no idea what if that you, is. Oh, it's massive, mate. It, it's, he, he's so big that he would have his own show on TLC. Like, like honestly... But if you look at his um, his uh, Wikipedia page, it said that he's a jailkeeper. Right, that he's a jailkeeper, but it looked like goalkeeper. 
I thought, no, no one is putting the ball past him. No, no way. Like, honestly. But <laughs> I also have, I, 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 we asked the question, what's in the water in Leicester? Um, now, I've, I've actually been told that I've got film star looks. Unfortunately, that film star was the Elephant Man. So um, John Merrick, the <laughs> Elephant Man, Leicester, right? was from Leicester. So yeah. was Gok Wan, but that's by the by. But anyway, there's clearly something in the water in Leicester because there are some, you know, some real characters, let, let's say. Uh, Dave, did you give an actual score? What did you say? 2-0. 2-0. So I'm predicting 3-0 Leicester. Dunn is predicting 3-0 Leicester. And Dave is predicting 2-0 yeah. Leicester. Uh, any more business we have to take care of, guys? Or can we say goodnight? Uh, so you haven't asked me about my hip hop uh, recommendation for the week. Oh, okay. I didn't know we were still doing that. Go ahead. We're, so we, listen, I'm, we, we're going to flog this to death. I, I would like everyone <laughs> to check out uh, Ulfa Ulfa from Reykjavik. And there is a song called Brenham Alt, which is the greatest hip hop video of all time. It is basically two guys. video of all time. Oh, you wait till you hear this. You've got to go check this out. It's two guys cruising the mean streets of Reykjavik on Icelandic horses that are like... That basically, Icelandic horses are a cross between a Shetland pony... Dave is shaking pony. his head. Dave, you've heard of these I mean, people? Uh, no, but right. I didn't. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. It, it's a cross... You like they're riding Icelandic on Icelandic horses. Icelandic horses have a, have a very odd gait, but they also are across between a Shetland pony and the lead singer of the Flock of Seagulls. They have the coolest hairstyle of any animal. I implore you, go check out Ulfa Ulfa. Check out them riding around, riding dirty around the streets of Reykjavik on the coolest animals on the planet. They See, you don't just come here for QBR. They're the Jerry Francis of horses. Um, Here we go. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you in about, you know, 30 seconds, a minute on the chat, okay? Come on, you ours. You ours. You ours. Wir sind die Boys von der Loftus Road. QPR, U23, was los? Lagoon Styles, Lagoon Styles, like... Das kein Tracks, du das ein Code. Wir sind die Boys von der Loftus Road.